All right, we've been looking uh, at the history of this most interesting station, KDVS, and uh, we're told that if we wanted to talk about it, a good guy to talk to would be our guest today, Jerry Drawhorn. He was a DJ at KDVS back in the 1980s and has written about uh, some of the history on Facebook, and we hope we do a great deal more of that. Um, And it's our pleasure to be able to say welcome to Radio Parallax, Jerry Drawhorn. Hello. How are you guys out there in Radio Land? (laughs) Doing doing well, and uh, Radio Land here that that we're that we're doing well on goes back, according to some of your research, which surprises me, to 1963. That's right. Uh, that's when a group of, of students came up from uh, Berkeley and basically talked to the student council, the ASUCD people, and made a little presentation talking about radio and their college radio station that they were starting and then asked if anybody was interested in Davis to doing the same thing, to kind of network yeah. with them, and they would show how to, how to get started. And uh, by 1964, there were a group of people forming a radio club, in, uh, and they put it together and uh, started a group. I'm sorry, but I, just, I have to laugh because, uh, according to your history and others, this was basically in the washroom at Beckett Hall. <laughs> yeah, in the laundry room in the basement of Beckett Hall. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, a lot of them were dormies, but they had also a lot of people who were, you know, outside the dorm, some people that were very interested in engineering, some people who wanted to be what was called top 40 boss jocks, you know, mm-hmm. more personality oriented, but, you know, playing all the pop hits. And a few people that had this kind of broader, I'd call it a Pacifica sort of idea, you uh-huh. know, that they were going to bring culture and education to uh, the wider masses, the unwashed masses in, <laughs> in Davis, you know, all the, the farmers and things like that out there were somehow going to immediately, you know, be re- reached by, by the wonderful UC Davis campus. And I guess by 64, again, per your history, uh, it sort of became a full-fledged uh, part of the campus. The station did. It was then called KCD. And arrangements were made, I guess, to swap uh, tapes with the other UC um, student radios. Yeah, it was very interesting how fast it took off. It was um, it was originally what we would call a carrier current station, which um, it's kind of hard to explain, but basically it ran through the phone lines and the electrical lines on campus. So you could only hear it on campus. What they did is they they began, you know, there was the big free speech movement down in San Francisco and in in Berkeley that was taking off. A lot of protest going on about, well, discrimination both in Oakland and San Francisco in the hotels, but also in the South. Uh, And they were getting the Freedom Rider movement going, uh, getting a lot of students. And there was so... In Sproul Plaza, they actually were had tables out to recruit people for that in Berkeley, and uh, the university uh, decided that they needed to shut that down. And so uh, the student station uh, in Berkeley was covering all of that protest, and they were sharing information about that with the Davis campus. Mm-hmm. But really, what's kind of intriguing is that the Davis campus actually covered a protest before any of the free speech movement stuff I found in the history, they actually covered a protest by union workers 
uh, to a group that uh, were playing in Freeborn called the New Christie Minstrels. Which, which I have to say, right, that is astonishing that, first of all, they played. <laughs> and the students sec- protested right. the, the union people <laughs> because the union people wanted a, a union shop and the students wanted to hear the Christie Minstrels. <laughs> <laughs> so they covered that protest first. It was the first protest that was covered. <laughs> wow. So we beat Berkeley by a little bit. So I guess by 66, 67, uh, K, KCD winds up applying for a broadcast license, and the FCC grants that. And so I guess by, uh, by late 67, they're all, they're all poised to become um, a real broadcast station. Yeah, yeah. They, um, they basically did apply. Um, Berkeley also went up about that time. They got all of 10 watts, which was uh, enough to cover... Davis in one channel, mono. Uh, You couldn't hear it in stereo. You could hear it in mono, Uh, which wasn't so bad because many of the records were still mono in 67. (laughs) But uh, they had played around with trying to get the signal a little bit further out off campus. The engineers were very creative. They hooked up little microtransmitters to hook into the city power grid and so you could receive it in the off-campus dorms hmm. and a little bit into the downtown area before that but but this basically gave them a reach into the city at that point you know they realized that they had to kind of open up their format a little bit and they shifted away from playing a lot of what i would call study music you know softer <laughs> music and they started becoming a little bit more mm-hmm. experimental some of the DJs became freeform DJs around that time, playing what they wanted on, in longer album tracks and mixing it in with other genres of music, so things like blues and jazz and just anything they wanted. That was usually in the later evening hours, but during the day they would play classical and or more straight formats like folk music and things like that. Well, I don't know whether you know anything about this, Jerry, but looking at the history in KDVS, uh, they note that the station got a maverick reputation in the 60s, and it aired an interview with Angela Davis. And apparently, this, this stuns me, a live call-in show with Governor Ronald Reagan in April of 69? <laughs> yes. Uh, one of the members of, of uh, the alumni group that, that uh, is on Facebook, uh, Bruce Reardon, as well as a couple of the other news people and uh, some of the people from the Aggie uh, basically thought that they could uh, invite Reagan to talk about his tuition increases. Mm-hmm. And they thought that they could, you know, push him in a corner. This was the first time that, that the University of California charged any tuition in 1967 or 68. I can't exactly remember. And so they they basically got him on the air, and he just tore them apart, according to Bruce. He knew every <laughs> angle that they were coming at him from. Does that tape still exist, by the way, Jerry? I mean, is... I don't think it does. Dang. Um, yeah, it was something that uh, <laughs> they, Bruce told me uh, that he destroyed his copy. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> because it, it, he, he basically sounded so bad. You know, he was basically just so awed by Reagan. They were basically pummeled by this guy who was so used to communicating. Sure, sure. And knowing, you know, with critical media, 
so he knew where to get them. <laughs> yeah. So you've got to be very careful when you get somebody who's a, a politician on the air, you know, because they know all the rhetorical tricks. Sure. Well, I guess, Jerry, you arrived on the scene in, in the 80s. I was in Davis during the 70s. I know I listened to KDVS from time to time, but uh, I, I really couldn't tell you much about it. But uh, from the histories, it seems like from the 70s on forward to probably this very day, there's sort of been a continuing battle over you know what the station ought to be. And I think this is a dialogue that has never gone away. KDVS usually is a step ahead of commercial radio. But in the early 70s, uh, there were actually several commercial preform stations that kind of sprung out of KDVS and uh, Sac State's college station as well, uh, one called uh, KERS. And a lot of the DJs went into commercial radio, but they did freeform radio. And one of these stations that a lot of people may remember is KZAP, uh, but there was also one up in in Woodland called Earth Radio. Hmm. And these were very innovative radio stations. So KDVS oftentimes would shift into formats like jazz, uh, emphasizing jazz or blues. And there was always debate over what they should be playing. But, and, and oftentimes there'd be surveys done by people on campus that would show that KDVS was listened to, and they would frame it, only 25% of the students or only you know, 30% of the students. Why aren't you 100% of the students? <laughs> and it was always pointed out that that was pretty good ratings for radio stations. Sure. Much better than most of the more popular radio stations. They weathered these storms usually, but around 81 or 82, the media board, which was at that time actually established by Ronald Reagan to oversee uh, all the newspapers and radio stations on UC campuses, make sure that they weren't too radicalized. Can't have that. Yeah, and uh, Ronald Reagan basically established these boards. The boards realized that they had to walk the fine line between free speech and, 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 uh, and what the governor wanted. Mm-hmm. So uh, they basically didn't do too much serious censorship. They be- but they did control the, the, the hiring of the general managers. And during good years, they hired from within people who had experience with, with the radio station. But in 1982, 83, they hired outside. And this was a guy who uh, had some commercial radio experience and basically wanted KDVS to develop a more NPR-like format. Mm, yeah. A lot of jazz, a lot of news and also very strict regimented uh, times when students would have to play this music. So you would have to tell the students, the students who were volunteers, that they had to play a certain playlist or a certain format. Even if they wanted to play punk rock, they had to play jazz. He was told, you know, look, you can't do this. You can't tell somebody who doesn't know anything about jazz to, to do a decent jazz show. And he basically came head-to-head with the staff, and it was a very tense time. That's around when I came in, actually. So you witnessed this? Yeah, I witnessed it. Um, A lot of people did leave the station at that time, but they oftentimes would recruit people who weren't burned out (laughs) to replace them. Uh, They'd say, you know, go go train. (laughs) Go train. You know, you're a good... 
you're interested in a certain type of music, go and train. You know, I'm burned out, but you go and do it <laughs> for a year, you know, and try to keep the fight going. And then the next year, the media board hired a guy who wanted to have the station play more pop music. He was basically also inexperienced and from outside the station. So for two years, KDVS struggled with this kind of takeover of outsiders that were pushed on to them by the media board. It wasn't a very pleasant period of time to, to start out, but even though it was a time period that I got involved at the station, we, we weathered through it. And I think the station came out very strong and very active because of that. Well, I certainly appreciate what you've been doing on, on, uh, on again, we should point out on Facebook, there is a, a KDVS alumni site, there, and, and you're putting history on there, what's taken place. I, I, I imagine you'll be doing more installments in that, and I hope so. But uh, one thing can be said about KDVS is the people that have been a part of it in the past like to continue to, to contribute uh, to the operation of the station. That's been a very good thing. Yeah, I think so. There are people down there that have been there for many, many years. Uh, KDVS has always been sort of a community student station or student community station, very involved in the community of Davis. Oftentimes people beyond Davis have been involved, and I think that that is invaluable. The station needs to keep in touch with a broader community, uh, not become too narrow in terms of its perspective. But at the same time, I think it's important that the stations continue to have the real kind of control and oversight of the station. Students go in and out every year. You know, there a lot of times the, the course staff completely changes from yeah. one year to the next, and, and that's a problem with continuity. And that's where the alumni can really play a role. We can show people, you know, things that worked in the past, things that didn't work in the past, without really pressuring people to do it a certain way, but to kind of give them guidance and not, not step in the poo that we, <laughs> that we stepped in oftentimes. Yeah, and you don't want to make the same mistakes and, twice, uh, right. right. To avoid some of those problems, but, you know, also to kind of provide resources. A lot of times the resources, you know, that, uh, that students don't have, sometimes we can provide access to businesses or to not knowledgeable people that are in the alumni. Sure. Well, Jerry Drawhorn, it's been a great pleasure speaking with you. I hope you'll come back again as we continue to research this. I'm sure that some facts are going to emerge. And I know you've got some things I want to talk about in the future, some sleuthing you did about uh, the Mr. Turntable, which is a symbol oh, of KDVS, yeah. but actually comes from the 1930s and RCA Victor, yeah, which is quite... a very interesting story. <laughs> come back and tell that. Okay, yeah, I will. All right, Jerry, thanks. Okay, thanks, Doug. All right, let's take a short break. We expect to sometime next quarter there may well be a program here on the station that talks about the UC stations, particular KDVS, but also the others and their history. I think we're off to a good start with that right now. I'm sure there are interesting stories associated with every UC campus. Stop 